Lois, you helped me defeat General Zod. Superman too? But now you know I'm Superman, I... I have to kiss you and make you forget. Why would that be one of your superpowers? <laughs> you should hear yourself sometimes, Lois. Welcome, everybody, to a brand new episode of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast. Heck yeah! As always, I'm your host, David Luzader, and with me is... Nick Share Mooksness. Fantastic. Welcome, uh, welcome, Nick, to the show. Welcome, listeners. Welcome, David, to the show. Also, welcome, listeners. Great. Well, this, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's nice to, to be back for a second week in a row, uh, kind of sucks because we'll probably not be here next week but we'll talk about all that uh end of the show business later that's true it falls on christmas eve yes uh and then even my, my schedule after that is a little tricky but you know we'll we'll, we'll talk about that later no need to get all bogged down in it now because we have a lot of good stuff to talk about this week very true very true so let's just go ahead and jump right into it and do you want to do you want to talk a little bit about arrow um besides i think i think i think uh anna's mom summed it up best last season when um we were watching the season finale of season two and the whole like ollie loves you know tells tells felicity that he loves her and that it was a ploy to get uh, Deathstroke uh, in their clutches or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then there's the whole sort of like, do you know? Do they? You know, do, will they or won't they? Right. And just like like my friend Andrew and I, we were just like Bleh! like freaking out, like just about the the, the potential of their relationship. Mm-hmm. And and then uh, Anna's mom was just like, "Are we sure this is a show for guys?" Because um, like their her parents were sitting there watching it with us and. And uh, we just kind of were like, uh, yeah, good question. <laughs> so it's it's something where this particular mid-season finale, which I feel like it's kind of a new thing. Not, not you know, and it feels like... What, what aspect know, of it do you think is new? Now, now, first, before we really get into it, there are definitely potential spoilers here. I would say bigger than the Flash stuff we talked about. So if, you're, if you haven't seen it yet and you want to avoid spoiler talk, I would say, you know, skip ahead a little bit. Uh, I don't know how yes. long we'll talk. We'll try to limit ourselves to maybe five or ten minutes on it. Yeah. In fact, in fact, you know, here, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to I'm going to set a timer for ten minutes, and that's how long we're going to talk full of spoilers. And when the ten minutes up, maybe we'll share some final thoughts, be spoiler free, and then move on. So, uh, Siri, right. set a timer for ten minutes. Siri, Siri is now part of the show. Okay, ten minutes and counting. Oh, all right. Uh, the all voice right. that gets so, in my ears. So, what did you say? Um, what were you, you going to say? Um, the fact with with um, with these mid season finales now, it feels like you're getting two seasons in one. Mm-hmm. Like this is the kind of thing that you would expect from a season finale. Oh, absolutely. With, with what happens, and well, you, you can we can say what happens. We're, we're well, now and, we're and, now on the ten minute spoiler zone. And what happens is that Ollie gets stabbed in the gut. In the and in like, the chest, and then kicked off a cliff, and then kicked off a cliff. Like he gets like this he is Sparta pretty hardcore. Literally, yeah, he literally just gets pushed off a cliff, which is you know, it it's the the you know the the jaded 
you know, comic book fans, whatever pop culture, you know, fans in us that kind of know like, all right, this, this isn't over, you know, mm-hmm. uh, even within the episode themselves, they, they very cleverly hint uh, at that. And that, and that hint was windows. so well done because yeah. we've, you know, we've, we've long suspected that Lazarus pits existed in this world. Um, John yeah. Barrowman. Well, yeah, John Barrowman in like season two, I think uh, was talking to Moira and she's like, you know, I, you know, I, you were dead. And he says there are places on this in this world where death means nothing or something like that. Oh, right, 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 right. And it's you know, as soon as he said that, I'm like, okay, he was trained by League of Assassins. Uh, Raz Rachel Ghoul exists. Like they're going Lazarus Pit. Yeah. Um, you know that being said, it was still just one of those like the episode was like well done on an emotional level on an action level like it, mm-hmm. like the the intersecting between like the present day and and watching oliver climb to the top of that cliff that was yeah you know, i like was that was a great juxtaposition and then of course it's sort of like i wasn't even like trying to think of the ollie infelicity thing and then him just like like sure. meeting with her and then just like it was just so i wouldn't say casual but there was just like a, he's just like I love you. Kisses are on the forehead. And then like, there's just such a, a sweetness to their relationship mm-hmm. that, you know, with, with, with Ollie being such a damaged person in the show, you know, yeah. seeing that someone like Felicity, who's just like, ah, like she's the kind of person who is, who doesn't really have her feet on the ground. Mm-hmm. She's a very like character that's out of control. So in a way, like Ollie himself is out of control. Like he is, yeah. he's not, but somehow her being in the clouds and him being, tiptoeing on lava i don't know she, <laughs> she still finds a way to be the person that grounds him mm-hmm. and it's just such a i i hate saying it like this but it's such an adorable relationship it is and you know you really you really can't deny i really loved the part too when ray palmer has her you know in his office and is you know it's like here's what i'm working on shows the adam suit and it's like you know felicity i really want you in on the ground floor of this and her response was like, "Oh no, not again." Yeah, you know, like or, she's like this is a world that she was unwittingly drawn into, and now she can't escape it. Yeah, she's like she's literally like the go-to girl for like every superhero mm-hmm. that shows up. Yeah, which is and, and, and like when um when he when she walks in on on Ray Palmer as he's doing the salmon 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 she's like, "Oh no, I have a type." Oh no, I have a type. That line was so great. There's, there's, they, they, you know, occasionally they, they, you know, the show isn't perfect. Sometimes it's like too cheesy or, you know, the pacing's off or, you know, it's a really toast villain. But there are certain elements that they always hit. And definitely Felicity Smoke is one of them. Mm -hmm. And the the parts when it's not firing on all cylinders, I have to remind myself, you know, nothing's perfect, but also that it's a CW show. Yeah. Uh, And, Aside from Supernatural, which has its own crazy, weird mythology, I don't know any other Supernatural or like other television show that has the balls to straight off kill its main character. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, for people for people like us, it's okay. He's going to come back. Even for people, you know, who aren't big comic book nerds, mm-hmm. know that you know, obviously, he's going to come back. But in what way? For them, there's still that mystery. Yeah. And I was talking about some talking about talking about that with someone today and they you know they were like you know we know it's going to be lazarus pit like big deal it's like but there are people who don't yeah there are people who have no idea how he's going to come back from being stabbed and pushed off a cliff exactly you can't write this show for the all-knowing comic Mm -hmm. book fan you know yeah and here's the thing too um that they that there's some implications here that they you know i think they know they have to follow through on 
where Lazarus pits are going to have to be time sensitive. Uh, where like you, you know, it's, you only have so long after you die to be revived. Yeah, because that's one of the reasons Sarah wasn't. Sarah. Sarah. Yeah. Sarah. But also, like, but also Merlin's wife. Like, why didn't he go revive her? Why not Tommy? You know, it's got to be. Well, he, he, yeah. I mean, he didn't, he didn't enter the League of Assassins until after his wife had been long dead. Right. Yeah. But he couldn't then, you know, and then he knows about Lazarus Pits, obviously. He couldn't just go get her body and then bring her back, you know. Maybe he tried. That could be part of it. Uh, I, I think Merlin's been probably the most underused character this season. Maybe he tried with Tommy. Also creepy. That, but I'm just saying, you know, like no, Tommy's I'm... the kind of character you just want back on the show. I do want him back on the show. But it won't be the same, you know. It's one of those things yeah. where it's, it's well, been so long since season one. You're like Tommy. And when he was he, when he was at the beginning mean? of this season, it was like, oh yay, Tommy! But it's because it was that treat of like he's only going to be in it for this episode. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it was just such a well done death because obviously we knew that that Ollie wasn't gonna die, uh, and you know all of us had theories on on Tommy is gonna turn to the dark side. He's gonna become the Merlin of you know that we think of Merlin as, but nope, they just outright killed him, and it was really really well done. Yeah, uh, very emotional impact. There was something else I was gonna say about the the finale that I can't remember. Uh, it was good. Really good though. Really good times. Um, Do we want to talk about that particular news though? That's, you know, following the, sure, the season. Sure. And this is, this is a good time to talk about it. Um, so as not to risk spoiling stuff later <laughs> with Ollie being dead air quotes. Uh, it has come out from the, the showrunner uh, Guggenheim, right? I want to like just, yeah, Mark, Mark Guggenheim has said, yep that uh while uh ollie is recovering uh in episodes 10 11 and 12 we're going to see arsenal take center stage um and and really step up in uh star slash starling city uh which i'm really excited for you know he, he teases there's some really great stuff episode 11 has a really great scene between him and uh him and merlin and, between between Roy and Merlin, yeah. Oh, cool. And he says, I think it's some of his finest work on the show, talking about Roy. Uh, and Roy's another character who, you know, he was introduced. They developed him a bit. Uh, in season two, he had his, you know, he had his storyline that was interesting, but we didn't get a lot of character out of him. And now in this season, he's just kind of been there. And I'm excited to see him fleshed out a bit more. Mm-hmm. And, to, and to, to take a bigger role and you know not they've, they've been good about not making him just the sidekick but he is still kind of you know he we haven't seen him doing any solo work and uh this is going to be a, a big step in that direction but but I mean, what are your thoughts what do you got what do you got here episode I... 11 is titled midnight city which i think is an awesome title it is a cool way Cool, cool Which title. Reminds um, me of uh, Invincible. It, oh yeah, they have not visited that city a long time in that series, and you gotta catch up on Invincible. I'm way behind on Invincible. I Dude, know. Okay, I caught up in like a week. There's so being, much of it. 
Yeah, but I just literally decide to discard having a personal life and just red, red, red. You gotta do that some weeks. Well, some okay, weeks, well, and that's no personal life. And and that was, for some reason that was really easy for me to do in college because I had way more uh, to put off. And that's how I caught up on like The Walking Dead and how I read through all of uh, what other uh, stuff that I read, like Why the Last Man and Fables at the time. Had a lot of good comic moments in college for sure. A lot of great comic comic moments. Uh, one more thought before I guess we, we move on here. Uh, I was really disappointed with um, how obvious it was that Matt Nable had or was uh, replaced by a stunt double in most of that fight. He was. Yeah. Did you not notice? No, not really. Oh man. Was... I'm, su- I'm su- my brain's surprisingly tuned out. Like when I watch TV shows, like I, I always like. Like those tw- like twists that everyone's like, oh, I saw that coming. It wasn't like I didn't see it coming, but I was just like, oh, like I totally didn't realize that. Like, yeah. like just the connection didn't meet. Uh, I 100% knew. But as soon as they were like, they're going to be fighting on a mountaintop. I'm like, I can see where this is going. Uh, just, you know, because well, what was it going to do? Like I, Ollie I, was going to show him mercy and then he was going to turn around and kill him anyway? No, I thought in a lot of ways, I thought. I thought the other way that could have happened because they were kind of setting up the whole like you don't kill anymore, but then like Felicity, which was kind of bad. Like, oh, yep, yep. That's when we're supposed to stop spoiling. It's been ten minutes. It's been ten minutes. <laughs> don't leave, people stop listening to the show. <laughs> um, real quick, I mean Felicity's line of like you have to kill him. You know, I thought that it could have ended with Ollie actually killing him. And mm-hmm. then essentially doing the whole like he becomes the new leader of the League of Assassins. Yeah, that wasn't and, that. That could have been a potential. That's cool. still a potential storyline, though. Like that could be a season, like the end of the season thing. It if... could, yeah, it could still be a thing. I know that they did it with. Um, um, what am I thinking? Um, oh, Daredevil! They did it with Daredevil on the Hand. Um, oh, okay. Just go in Daredevil comics where he he became the new leader of the Hand and he tried to change it from within, but he became corrupted and all this other stuff you know so it, it's a cool it's a cool area to explore where you take someone who's who's you know kind of a his moral alignment is more good mm-hmm. you know and puts him in a situation where he's surrounded by nothing but bad people but they're all looking to him for guidance right you know? yeah it's, it's interesting it's it could interesting. be could be very interesting all right but anyway let's let us move on uh to a book that i am still impressed with how consistent it has been with its setup schedule and that is multiversity this week we got another issue um probably the one that i personally was most looking forward to which is the thunderworld issue which is the captain marvel uh story written by grant morrison sorry i'm trying to grab it behind me here written by grant morrison art by cameron stewart uh, they are, you know, each one's kind of been approached from a different angle. Pax Americana was the adult drama. Society of Superheroes was that 1920s pulp story. And this one was more of the Saturday morning cartoon big adventure book. Like this comic made me nostalgic for something that never existed. It, you know, it's like, it's kind of how I imagine people who are reading like the Samurai Jack comic now must feel. Mm-hmm. Except I have no previous Thunderworld stuff to look back upon. Yeah, but it makes me wish that that show existed. No, it. it I mean Shazam, you know, slash Captain Marvel, which was cool that they that he flat out was like Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. and there were the little in jokes like he says the death of Captain Marvel, which is of course the name of a Marvel comic called mm-hmm. the death of Captain Marvel. Um, excuse me, 
but it it was just i'm surprised that there isn't a shazam cartoon you know right Uh, it's hard you know it's one of those things that could almost fit in sort of that adventure time type mold of lol random humor that the kids seem to like these days because obviously we're trying to make it for today's relevant to today's audience not Mm -hmm. necessarily for us you know but it is definitely it 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 there should be a Shazam cartoon. If this thing proves anything, there should be a Shazam cartoon. Yes. And um, I loved the the very beginning where Grant Morrison did that thing where he kind of draws you into the comic, you know, by having the wizard Shazam directly speaking to the audience. Mm-hmm. It just right off the bat, it sort of increases the, all right, I am part of the storyline. And then as it's going through, you know, you feel a little bit more connected to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the monster society is a thing that needs to be real. Absolutely needs to be real. It must be real. It must be real. And, you know, I, I texted you this thought, like, how does this book, like, this is sort of like how I felt when I first, when I watched the first season of Community, where I'm like, oh, man, that's the best thing they could ever do. Like, it's, you know, we're getting as good as we can get out of this. And then the next week would come on and I'd be like, oh, man, they somehow topped last week. Like, that's how I'm feeling with each issue of Multiversity right now, mm-hmm. where each one is actually it's probably better to say so special. Um, and maybe maybe it's just they're so unique that I can't compare them. Like, I can't put them exactly on the same like level on the same pedestal and be like, I'm going to link this one up against Society of Superheroes. And obviously, you know, at the end of this, I'm going to have a favorite, but they just like, they're, they just all been so individual. Exactly. It's, it's, it is apples and oranges, you know, at at the, so far, my favorite has been the Pax Americana, you Mm -hmm. know, primarily because I'm just such a sucker for Frank Quietly artwork. Um, you know, this is definitely up there, um, Oh man, yeah, it's hard to say. And I don't. What do we have left? We've got Thunderworld. I know there's the Masterman, which I think is the Nazi world. Mm-hmm. Um, I think next have, week is the or next month is the. It's the the book, uh, the guidebook. The guidebook, yeah. And then after that, I think it's there's like two issues, and then the finale. I think the finale wraps in March. Okay. Well, yeah, that's. I mean, that's a big thing for. Uh, for which is DC. which is, is is kind of it's like the bookend to the the first issue that had like the the black superman and captain carrot and all that it's kind of the mm-hmm. the follow up to that story but i we have the masterman and then another one i, I think. think masterman and, then, and ultra comics is ultra comics the end the eighth one shot ultra comics so maybe it's maybe there's three more and then the finale i don't what is this, what is the most advanced thing i've ever done issue? this is uh fifth yeah the sixth one and there's the, nine they're right? uh see i don't know i'm looking right now at wikipedia and it, they're calling the guidebook one of the one shots mm. uh seventh one shot illustrated by jim lee and scott williams is masterman eighth one shot ultra comics uh yeah this it's a little little confusing <laughs> right um Anyway, so okay, but yeah, I think I was right. Masterman. Oh, uh, would feature eight one shots. So, okay, apparently it's just going to be eight. I think there's nine though, because the there's the, there's the, the 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 end the 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 bookend. Uh, well, I don't know, because the guidebook will be included as part of Multiversity. Mm-hmm. Let's see, in in true podcast fashion, 
how many issues of multiversity? Uh, yeah, this is okay. Anyway, keep keep talking about what you're saying. Maybe I'll see if I can find anything. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, I, uh, my brain just died. Uh, uh, it's all good. You know, uh, one thing I like about multiversity, and it, maybe part of it was that it, it took so long for the books, you know, for the series to come out. But it's hard to say, like, mm -hmm. when did he write each script? You know, how much of it was being, you know, just tweaked and retweaked over time? And then, especially with the art, like, how long did how long were each of these artists working on? Because, like, right now you've got Cameron Stewart who did the art for Thunderworld who's also working on the Fight Club book and he's working on Batgirl. Mm -hmm. Now, hold on. I want to talk about Cameron Stewart's art for a minute. Sure. Because um, mostly it's fantastic. It fits the feel of the book great. It has that Saturday morning sort of cartoon feel to it. That's uh, really well done. There's some pages that are just incredible, like the I think you know the Monster Society or that part when he first goes into the subway uh, and there's all those like train cars and the really trippy background. Do you remember what I'm talking about here? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. there's one panel that really didn't work for me. And it was like a little jarring. Uh, and it's it's this panel when, you know, Captain Marvel is flying to the subway. And there's these three people who are standing there. And one woman, you know, says, Captain Marvel, help us. And it's all exclamation points. Uh, and then there's another guy who's like, don't just leave us. But all of their facial expressions are so benign. Like, mm -hmm. their eyes are kind of closed. Their mouths are just slits. Like, they're just looking up at him. Like, they look bored. But, you know, it's supposed to be this, like, high-tense situation. Like, this woman doesn't look like she's in panic, and she's yelling, Captain Marvel, help us. There's, like, no monsters around you. Like, you, you look like you're ready for a nap. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why. Like, that panel when I was reading through it really, like, caught me. But, you know, and, you know, that's one part out of everything else that was really great uh and we kind of got some hints in this book too of you know some of these threads we've been talking about where what's the purpose of all of these books being around you know they're telling some sort of message is it uh they're all communicating with each other yeah yeah they're all communicating like is it is it just savannah is that how you pronounce it savannah 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 i guess Savannah, like, is it just him communicating to other iterations of himself? Is it something more sinister? Who is that girl? Um, I think he was referring to Mary Marvel. Is that, uh, the I, way... I, I assumed he was referring to Mary Marvel. You know, and I know that in, with Grant Morrison, Mary Marvel has gone through a couple different permutations, like the dark Mary Marvel. Uh -huh. Maybe, maybe it's leading to that. I don't know. Yeah, it's just, you know, he just says it because she's not there, but he says, you know, this isn't over. Now I've seen her. I want that girl. There's something about it that makes me think whoever that girl is is going to come back into play. Uh, Parallax is going to come back into play because he's reading the Society of Superheroes and they focus in on that panel. You know, Parallax is, I'll get out and destroy everything. And it's like, well, you know, that sounds to me like maybe it's tomorrow's adventure. So they're setting up now f to start working towards the finale. And it's like, now we can see some of these threads beginning to, you know, come together. Mm -hmm. And I'm still unable to figure out how long uh, Multiversity is going for. I, I think it is. I think it's the, the guidebook, Masterman, 
Ultra, and then the finale. I think. Uh, I don't know. I think it is. I, I'm trying to think. I can't think of any other solicitations that I've seen but besides those ones. But it, oh, number of issues nine. Okay, you're right. Maybe, maybe I don't know why don't it took me this to long. I don't know why it took me this long to figure out number of issues nine. Because I'm looking at like Wikipedia, uh, and each one, you know, like there's the first one shot, second, third, fourth. Like it goes up to eight, but it doesn't say like the ninth one. You know, like maybe hasn't been revealed or whatever. Like I don't know. It's just really poorly put together. Anyway, yeah, nine issues. Um, it, it should be longer. It should just be Grant Morrison going jumping back and forth between all the years for yeah, all time. He should, yeah, no, no, go through all fifty-two. I would, I would buy it instantly. Uh, so I mean, any other? Th- give me some other thoughts on Thunderworld here. Um, well, to reiterate, why isn't it a cartoon? Um, yeah. why doesn't Cameron Stewart draw everything along with Frank Whiteley? <laughs> Um, you know, um, it's just it, it, Grant Morrison has been doing something with each of these books where you want to know, like I, I on some level, I want to know more about like Savannah's kids, like, mm-hmm. like who are these people? That's you know, that's, that's weird. And yeah, one thing I thought was interesting because I know with the, the new Fifty Two Shazam, you know, or Captain Marvel, whatever you want to call him, that like Billy's in control of the captain marvel the shazam persona mm-hmm. but in this it's been that way for a while that was that's it was, yeah that, that was even pre new 52 but, but i think but i think i guess originally i think it was that captain marvel was kind of his own person you know that's how i've always yeah that's i think that's how it was which is one of those things where it makes you feel like you have like mary and and freddie are like their own person like they they are they're themselves even mm-hmm. when powered up you know so it's kind of like you feel like you care about two characters at once yeah which isn't hard per se but it's just like your mind kind of has to wrap around it i kind of prefer billy being in control yeah just because there's a sort of it's that ultimate wish fulfillment Mm -hmm. you know thing that it's like like he's like the quintessential comic book you know superhero comic because it's it's about people gaining powers you know that we could never achieve and well yeah and and there's also that great thing where as little kids we all wanted to fly around and have really cool powers and he is that little kid and he draws out that excitement in us you know where it's like oh like the the nostalgia factor of i wish that i was you know like i wish that was me that's what i wanted to be when i was a kid and there's like an excitement to it uh what what was i gonna say you're just man i'm getting forgetful of my old age right that's the ripe old age of 26 there it is you know how old i am good for you well, I'm also 26, so it helps. Uh, yeah, but yeah. you're like a couple months older, so you're um, ancient. I'm on the yeah, I'm on the further side. Uh-huh. Um, I really love the the Lieutenant Marvels, uh, and that one of them is a Tiger Man, for absolutely no reason. <laughs> no, no, no. That's um, crap. What's his name? He's a character. He's he's a thing. Like he's the thing in the Shazam world. No, I, I mean I believe it. I just didn't know him. I just love like it's like here's all these people and then Tawny, a... Tawny, Taki Tawny, Taki Tawny. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. He's yeah, he is pretty shway. What? Like because were you reading the? They don't. I don't think they even call him Tawny in the issue. They don't. Um, do you, you? Did you read the the Shazam backups that Jeff Johns and Gary Frank were doing in Justice League? Uh, I I don't know if that was when I was still on Justice League. Um. I mean, I guess it was. I think they started, like, with the Throne of Atlantis story. Yeah, I, I was out. I was out of it by then. Oh, oh yeah, Throne of Atlantis is probably still sitting in your pile. Uh, nope, because think... you you said you bought it. I remember Throne of Atlantis. Yeah, or whatever it was called, the Aquaman Justice League crossover. I never bought it. 
I thought you did. Nope. We, we talked about it, and I was like, I oh, think... you should get back into Justice League. And you were like, yeah, I got it, but like I haven't read it. And then you never Okay, that's it. like a million other books, but I don't think it's... Uh... Yeah, I don't know. I would check your pile. It might be in there somewhere. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, and the one-shots. Takitani. Takitani. Oh, okay, anyway. Um, I... You know, unless you have anything else you want to say, I'm just slipping through the book here. Other stuff that jumped out to me, I love, I love the different uh, iterations of Savannah when he's talking to himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, there's the snake one. One of them's a baby. I love the one that is, uh, actually a good guy. Yeah, like, he's who's... like, are all my counterparts evil? Yeah, I, I, you know, I love that. Just like that, one of them is a good guy, and he's like, oh, I. I joined up with you guys because i assumed that you were all like me but nope you're all criminals oh good times i love i love stuff like that yeah i i I, facing the fact and it's a it's a something that happens in invincible and it's not it's not really a spoiler oh i got i got to that point when they were pulling out all of those different versions of that guy but the and i don't know if it was in in that particular storyline or not but there was a uh, someone makes a comment I, I where uh, he basically says to Mark that like it's weird that in majority of the realities that I visited, you're not a good person. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't I, get to that I part. Thought, which I thought was it was really it, it's an interesting thing to kind of put on the character to be like, you might be quote unquote good in this reality, yeah. but there's so many other realities where like you just totally went off your rocker. Well, and yet I mean you have to think too for for Mark there is there had to be a temptation to join his father. Uh, you know, I didn't get too far in it, but it's like, this is the, you know, on some level, this is the only person who really can understand me. Like the stuff he's saying has to weigh in on him. You know, I don't know if they ever addressed this, but there, you know, there had to be some level where it's like, this is my father, you know, like it's, it's difficult to turn against him. Yeah. Uh, but anyway let's but so eventually eventually when david takes the time to catch up on invincible and realize that a personal life just gets in the way of catching up on invincible we can have a more thorough invincible talk because i've been dying to have one for like forever i know i will i will i really want to <laughs> apparently not bad enough let's talk about rumble Ooh, pretty artwork in Drifter, though. I just, like, flipped through it randomly. Okay. But we're just talking about Rumble now. Rumble! Rumble, which is, uh... Which tell, uh tell the readers... Or readers. <laughs> readers. <laughs> Dear yeah. reader. Dear Tell the listeners about your little Rumble story. Okay. Uh, so, I, I have been living in Charlottesville for a couple years now. And I've been shopping at the uh, only comic shop here. Uh, luckily, it's a it's a really rad place. You know, it would suck if it uh, sucked, but it doesn't. It was like this sh- crappy little dink in the wall. Yeah, but no, it's, it's actually really cool. Uh, it's uh, run by this guy named Jake, who I've seen a couple times. But usually when I go in on Wednesdays, it's this guy, Hank. And he's, you know, he's a really cool guy. He listens to the show. Uh, actually lives in my, like, complex here. Uh, and... You know, I, I had a big stack of books today. He's bringing them up. I'm like, man, I really wanted to get Rumble, but I just couldn't justify purchasing it, you know, with me getting all this stuff. Because I try to keep in a certain budget. Uh, I am i don't make a ton of money. Mm-hmm. And with the holidays, getting ready to go out of town, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, he finishes bringing me up, gets my stuff in a bag, and he's like, you know what? Hold on. And he, he walks off, goes back to the new wall, 
and comes up and hands me uh, an issue of Rumble and is like, here you go, man. Happy or happy birthday. Merry happy, Christmas. Happy, happy birthday. birthday. Santa. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Jesus. Come on. So sorry, get it sorry, right. Sorry. He says, uh, he says, you know, man, Merry Christmas. It's a great book. And so, you know, I was, I was like, oh, oh, this is great. When, when and, I, you, and then you awkwardly shuffled out of the store like, I don't know how to show appreciation. <laughs> yeah, I just punched him in the face and <laughs> ran off. I don't know why I did that. Why? <laughs> Thank you for the comic. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that, that's how I got my copy of, of Rumble. So now that, 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 that Rumble comes with its Christmas cheer, what did you think of it? So Rumble is an interesting book. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's it's an image book which gives it a lot of um you know a lot of stock in my mm-hmm. and in my eyes mm-hmm. uh, which eventually will turn into a bad thing you know, eventually right. i'll be ter- i'll be picking up image books and be like why why there's so many Im- there's so much diversity like why can't it all be uniform right why can't it all be good where's where's the recycling of decades old plots right exactly um so that being said, I we don't really know the plot of Rumble yet. There's a scarecrow guy with a giant sword. Uh, and that and that was one of the things that kind of threw me off because I read a preview for it, which mm-hmm. the preview I, I thought was for the first issue has like it's like not in it at all. There's okay. like this. There was I don't know if it was a flashback or something. But there was like this Conan esque guy fighting monsters. And then um, it like leads into like the scarecrow guy. I think just like looking over a city. It, it was like a couple days ago. I, I don't quite remember. But mm-hmm. like it doesn't like that doesn't happen at all in this right. issue. In fact, you don't even spend that much time with the scarecrow guy. He's no. We we're, we're focusing around on this other kid, Bobby. I believe is his name. Yeah. Uh, so like th- I'm just gonna be straightforward. This is an odd book. Very odd. Yeah, which is not to say that it's bad. The. Uh, well, it's you know there's there's this world is really intriguing mm-hmm. because it's a dystopian sort of future and you know of course they mention a war but they did it in a way that was very natural yeah. in a way that i really appreciate it wasn't like the opening the opening uh narration wasn't like after the war that destroyed everything yeah it's it's quirky it's one of those yeah. it's taking sort of you know, tried and true apocalyptic concepts or dystopic mm-hmm. concepts and just being like, eh, like the, the demons or whatever you want to call them, the goblins. Yeah. So you are just kind of like, oh, like we're not here to kill you. We just want yeah. that thing. And you know? uh, I love, I love the designs of those. Uh, and I you know, the one, I love that the one, when they first appear, one's like human, the sword. And the guy obviously like freaks out and runs away. And the other one turns to him. is like human. What, you know, what kind of crap is that? Like it, you know, you, you, like you're expecting them to be these these horrid little creatures who are like, "Give us the thing," and mm-hmm. instead one of them's like, "Come on, man, what are you what are you doing?" <laughs> so you know, this plays. Let's, let's th- just do this. Yeah, this plays around with some fun tropes, introduces some very interesting ideas. Um, the art is, you know, the character designs are are bizarre, a little exaggerated, a, a, a little exaggerated, right? Um definitely you know like strange kind of like some of these character designs you would expect to see in like a cartoon network show you know mm-hmm. like just the way that they're done but the level of detail I, I really appreciate like one of the opening pages there's that that statue that's laying on the ground and you know i really like that first shot of the eyes 
just really detailed, really well done. Like you're really getting into it. And then like it slowly pulls back and like we're getting less detail on the face, but you know, we're, we're starting to see like the bigger picture and just like some of the stuff in the background, like the, you know, the amount that went into it, like, uh, the, the lines were very well used and, mm -hmm. and detail was very well established. Like this, this had a level of reality to the bizarreness to it. Like the weirdest thing in this is the character designs, you know? Yep. And even like, even the main character is normal compared to how a lot of these other people look. Exactly. Yeah. There's like the old lady and then those, those two fishermen guys, like there's some seemingly off, you know, off, um, off plot. Like, like what's going on with these fishermen? What's going on with that lady's cat? You know, how does this mm -hmm. all tie together? It's one of those things where I feel like in lesser hands, um, I could have read this and been like, I feel like there wasn't enough to grasp me. Cause like in a lot of ways, I, I, I had read a, like an interview with John Arcudi, um, mm -hmm. about how like the scarecrow guys, like he's like Conan the Barbarian as a scarecrow, which is just something incredibly cool about that. Right. So I was like, Oh, I want to read this guy. And then he's in it for like three pages. Um, but obviously, so, you know, we, we even like, even if, if I had, you know, not having read the preview, not any of that, like I got the feeling like, okay, we're going to get a lot more on the scarecrow guy, even next issue. Yeah. It's it's kind of like the first issue of the new Thor, where it's like, in, in my case, and I think kind of like with your case, you went in wanting to get more out of the new Thor, and you felt like you didn't get a whole lot. I I saw a lot in both cases where I, you know, I still liked what I got, but mm -hmm. I was like, oh, this is what I really wanted, you know. But there's first off, the art by James Heron is fantastic. I've been following James Heron since I discovered him on DeviantArt. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't necessarily know what, remember what he was doing then. I do know that shortly after I discovered him, uh, he went, he kind of became a big name at Dark Horse. He did a run with Brian Wood on Conan the Barbarian, coincident, uh, I don't know if it's huh. coincidence, but whatever he did. Uh, he's done some Hellboy and BPRD work for Mike Mignola, and he's he's worked with John Arcudi previously, so right. they, they clearly and, have a good and you relationship. Can, yeah, you can tell that these guys have uh, have a good rapport with one another. Which which helps because you know you get you get through some number ones and it's like oh you know this is really shaky don't know where it's going but these guys work well together. Yep, there's there's a confidence to the craft where both of these guys, you know, they know how to they know one knows you know they know how to write they know how to draw, they've they've clearly spent a lot of time crafting this world. So even though I haven't, I'm only getting a glimpse in this first issue, mm -hmm. and it's bizarre and I don't necessarily know like there wasn't really a a, a strong character to anchor the story with. Mm -hmm. I still want to come back more. I want to see, all right, what else do you got? What what else yeah. can I see? Absolutely. And I mean, a scarecrow warrior is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I like just, I like dystopic futures. I think most of us do. That's why they're such a popular concept. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's why the hunger game movies are making tons of money. We like seeing our world end over and over and over again. Yeah. Because we, you know, because we love to like, we love to think of those scenarios. Uh, you know, we love to think like, oh, that, you know, that's obviously not going to happen. So here's a crazy situation. Here's what I would do in it, and here's why I would survive the zombie apocalypse, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, and what, you know, here's what I would do if a giant scarecrow man came after me. Right. No, no, no. And and I, Bobby, you know, he's going to be kind of that that Rick Jones sort of, you know, straight guy in the in a crazy world. Mm -hmm. you know uh, he, he's I'm, our he's our every man yep yeah he, it, it, it'll be, i'm definitely picking up the next issue 
you know, yeah, if, if for sure. anything to just kind of Google at James Heron's art and watch him get better and better with every issue. Yeah, I'm no. also really curious about like, so like one of the demons says at the end, he's like, we didn't come here to hurt him. And then you, 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 you pan out to the scarecrow guy showing back up with a sword. And he's like, yes, yes, you did. And I'm just wondering what he meant by that. Mm-hmm. And like, is it, is it, is it, is there a greater meaning? Like, because they wanted that sword, you know, that they're doing it for some nefarious reason or like, I don't know. I'm just, yeah, it's that, that kind of like slip. I was like, all right, what does he mean by that? And now I want to know more. Yeah. This is a guy that got caught up in the, uh, in, in a big situation. Yeah. And which is always the case. Yep. But you know they always need they always need the everyman. The doctor is always going to have a companion who's a normal human, you know, for us to to relate to, uh, that kind of stuff. You know. Let's uh-huh. mm-hmm. but, uh, but let's so we're going to talk briefly here on uh, on Batman and Robin. You haven't had a chance to read it. I did flip through it, which doesn't say much, but I, you know, I have a, I, I know what happens basically. Well, yeah, and we've all we've all known what's coming. Exactly. Spoiler alert: We've even said it on the show. Damian Wayne uh, is now back. He has returned in this issue. He's back. He is alive. Uh, which you know, for better or for worse, here he is. I would be lying if I said I didn't get chills uh, in his resurrection scene. Yeah. You know, it was it was handled well. It was actually kind of Morrison esque, where it was kind of this big, just crazy concept playing out, and you didn't really have time to grasp onto what's happening. You're like, I'm along for this ride, whatever. Let's do this. I'm good. Um, it, it's the most, you know, having read the previous issues, it's the most superheroic Batman story, and I say superhero in a in a sense that it's like all like this shit's hitting the fan crazy stuff happening mm-hmm. constantly i mean you're like it's well, he's it's, going he's going one-on-one against it's, dark side it's it's the farthest you can get from some drug pushing street crime story you know right. that batman would be stuck you know would be involved in it's it's batman on the planet that personifies evil fighting evil itself to you know you know say either um retrieve his son's corpse and or resurrect him yeah and we we know too that Dark Side is still going to play a part in this storyline. That might get resolved in the next issue, which comes out next week, or you know, issue. Uh, it's a one shot. I don't know if they're actually counting that. Actually, no, they're not. Now that I think about it, uh, but they're doing the Robin Rises Alpha, which is another Kubert uh, drawn joint, mm-hmm. which will wrap up the storyline. So whether or not this wraps up the Dark Side stuff or not, we'll see. Uh, one thing I appreciate them doing is not showing Damien's superpowers yeah. in, in this issue. Just to have it be uh, Damien is back, him and his father share a sweet moment, and then you know the issue ends. Bruce is in peril because he pushed himself to the absolute limit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I like that it wasn't like, oh, he resurrects him, and then Damien's floating in the air because he can fly. You know, I'm st- still not fully sure how I feel about him having superpowers, it's, but I know, don't I, hate it. No, it, it's um, I think it was uh, Kurt Busiek, um, who writes one of your new favorite books, Tooth and Claw. Mm-hmm. Uh, the um, Autumn Lands. Oh, Tooth sorry, and Claw. the Autumn Lands, Tooth and Claw. Uh, we don't want any copyright infringements on yes, the show. Yes, yes. Um, Next, we're really concerned about that. Uh, <laughs> um, 
Which did you hear the story about that with, with Tooth and Claw? Uh, it's actually, it's actually it's an, an a, old a, book. image. It's an, also an image book. Yeah, like, it's Tooth an old Claw, image book. They're, they're both image books, and yeah. Anyway, um, you know, and one time he made a statement, and it has something to do with Spider Man, I think. But the gist of his words were that, like, you know, something like like Tony Stark. Oh, well, okay, so it's not Spider Man, but but. <laughs> But like with Tony Stark was that like the, his whole shtick originally was that like he had the shrapnel trying to get to his heart. So he needed uh-huh. to wear the suit of armor to keep him alive, mm-hmm. you know, and that eventually they took that away. Like he got a heart transplant or something like they got the shrapnel out. And then it was like, all right, well, now what? now he's just a guy in a suit of armor and he doesn't have any weakness. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you have to even when you give something back to a character, you have to take something else away. I think with Spider-Man it was that. He could never, you know, he would, could never settle down, and then he did settle down, and so now that he is settled down, what, what you have to take something else away from him? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, he's he's complete, and you, unless you plan on finishing the story, then well, you can't have a complete character. Yeah, well, when you have, yeah, when you have a fully realized sto- like character, it's yeah, either you end it or you kill him. Yeah, and so with this, in this case, you know, you can can you can look at Damien having superpowers as a blessing. But at the same time, it opens up a new, you know, if they had just brought Damien back and it was like, yay, he's back. And then he just goes back to crime fighting the old, the same old way. Then it'd be like, all right, well, you know, as much as I wanted him back, you know, it's, it's nothing new. I feel like I should have gotten something new out of this. Mm -hmm. And so this does offer a wrinkle to the whole thing because it creates new circumstances for Batman to deal with. Well, yeah, you're right. And you have a Robin now that can presumably you know batman's gonna let himself be his most vulnerable around him and it's like if he really wanted he could snap and kill batman uh which exactly he's not gonna do but it's, it's gonna push that sort of that that authoritative like batman's gonna struggle to keep authority over a tiny super powered shut up siri i know right i don't know what she's doing um uh, tiny super powered being it, it creates a new you know i think what like and not that i really have a grasp on like parent to child relations you know i don't have any kids that i know of there um, it is. <laughs> um it's it's one of those things where you're looking at like the metaphor or whatever of you know, a parent that, you know, has a hard time, like, trying to control their, and steer their child. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, Damien, he's mellowed out a bit, you know, since, but once he kind of gets, like, like, kind of his, his ground, you know, back back on his feet and he gets situated, you know, probably a little bit of that spunk, that ego is going to come back, and then you're adding superpowers into it, and mm-hmm. he already was overconfident and running into battle and thinking he knew everything, and now, like, he can technically take a, you know, he can take a beating. <laughs> It's, it's one of those things where you know Ken, you know, is you know Bruce trying is trying to steer his son in the right direction. It, are these superpowers going to open up, you know, old habits of Damien? You know, is mm. Bruce? I think Bruce is really going to struggle with trying to keep Damien on the straight and narrow when he's you know Superman. Yeah, because what's like what's what's Bruce going to do when Damien just goes and kills someone? Exactly, even by accident, like. Mm-hmm. You know what? What does having superpowers do to a ten-year-old boy who was already one of the most messed up people on the planet? True story. Yeah. Oh, Damien, what are we gonna do with you? Yeah. I realize he's he's one of like the only like comic book characters that I've kind of have this bond with because I've been around like with him since his inception. Mm-hmm. You know, I I don't I don't read Spider Man. I don't know Silk. I, you know, I didn't. I can't think of any other character that is kicking around today. That I was like, yeah, I was there. 
they were introduced. <laughs> I was there. Yeah, there's so many, so many comic book characters that you know they. It's it's like you know it's like we knew that like the Victorian era happened, the dinosaurs happened. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's like at the same time at the same Victorian dinosaur times. It was um, a good time. You know, but it, it's sort of like it's like cool to read about in a history book, but like the historical significance, like it's not relevant to us. Mm-hmm. in the way that it is when you know the way that like 9-11 is relevant this is a really weird conversation you're having about damian wayne but <laughs> no no no, no, no. It totally but, totally makes sense like but it makes sense it, well, it's just something that we grew up with that it's this we own yeah. this in a certain way well, we are it, the damian wayne generation yeah it, <laughs> i'm gonna get that on a t-shirt um <laughs> and to put it in you know an even like smaller scale have you heard of this podcast called serial no so there's this podcast out right now that is this woman who works for NPR and she's taking this, you know, murder investigation, I guess like a, like a, a trial happened. Somebody is in jail for it. And she's looking at this case and breaking it down uh, and, you know, presenting all of this evidence and people are out there trying to piece it together and be like, Oh man, is this guy really guilty? Like based on, you know, this, what we know so far with this, it doesn't seem like it, et cetera, et cetera. And it, it happened fairly recently, actually, like in late nineties. Um, and so there's somebody who, you know, the, I can't remember if it's the brother of the victim or brother of somebody who was involved, who kind of said to some people on the internet was like, you know, for you guys, this is a murder mystery. Like for me, this is my real life. And it's horrible having all of this stuff like drug up. You know, like it's it's just weird, yeah. Like for us, you know, even this thing that that happened recently, we're so far removed from it, like no big deal. Mm-hmm. But for like some people, it's like, man, this is like deeply affecting. And yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know why we're talking about this on a comics <laughs> podcast. Oh, I got serious. Damien Wayne, Damian. just you bring so much out about the world. He did. You he know, did. it's yeah i wonder if people hate us for having this kind of conversation yeah why, why would they hate I us i don't know i don't know they, they have plenty of other reasons to hate us why would why would this conversation be one of them yeah that's true that's true that's true you know what they really hate though what quizzes oh they they hate the quizzes and i think I've, I've even seen some emails where they say guys get rid of the quiz you're too mean to nick david uh you know i don't think that's true at oh, all yeah. and as such you know i'm gonna check the email right now oh oh look at this uh please continue doing quizzes oh i you know being you know i don't think it says that but that it being does. said I, I i can't remember the last time i logged into the email because i probably forgot the password yeah i'm not gonna tell it to you now that's just oh, a terrible yeah. idea but yeah, I'm assuming you have a quiz lined up I to torture my soul. Do have a quiz lined up? Uh, we're not gonna do an event update this week. We're still kind of on wonky time. When does Axis end next week? Uh, probably the last week of the month. I think there's like a break, and then we get to the the okay. finale. But right. it, it ends in December. Right. Okay. So we'll handle that later. Uh, no of an update. Instead, I'm going to quiz you about Captain Marvel. All right, I accept this challenge. You accept this challenge. You think you know is that, about is that? Is that too confident? It's probably too confident. Yeah, it is. Because now, um, now if you uh, fail this quiz, all of your family will be struck by uh, magical lightning. But uh, as they are 
not comic book characters, it will probably just kill them. At the very least, uh, scar them and make them develop stutters. All right. I accept. You accept. And I am sorry. Uh, I bet you're you're waiting for me to ask you a question about Fawcett Comics. Go ahead. I'm not going to. Uh, Well, I sort of will. I bet you were expecting me to ask what was Captain Marvel's first publisher. Fawcett Comics. Yes, but that wasn't a question. Uh, Which is, a, I mean, I'm assuming it was someone's last name, but it's just like a like there was it, some interesting comic publishers way back mm-hmm. when, Fawcett, Charlton. Yep. Uh, anyway, timely. In, in what title? National Public Periodicals. In what title did Captain Marvel first appear? Atlas Comics. Sorry, what was that? More fun comics. No, no, because that's a DC book. Or at the time, it was National Periodicals. Either way. Um, 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 oh, my God. Captain Marvel, he first appeared in... Um, I don't know. In Wiz Comics. Wiz Comics! Oh, it was Wiz Comics. I did know that. Uh, which enemy of Captain Marvel was also introduced in Wiz Comics number two? Should I repeat that? Which enemy of Captain Marvel was also introduced in Wiz Comics number two? Savannah. Yes, I. You know, I thought I'd shoot you a slightly easy one there. Oh, thank you, thank you, Roman. Oh, no problem. Uh, let's see. What other question can I ask for you? Uh. Of course. Now this one, uh, since you're so confident, can you name uh, what each letter of Shazam stands for? Solomon, Hercules, um, apes, zebras, apes, mammals, crap. Uh, <laughs> um... Uh, I know Solomon and Hercules are, are two of them. Yep. Um, 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 uh, Z, a Z guy, something Z, the Z, I don't remember. I don't remember. It, I know that uh, it's all like gods or something. S for the wisdom of Solomon. Wisdom uh, of Solomon. H for the strength of Hercules. Strength of Hercules. A for the stamina of Atlas. Atlas. Z for the power of Zeus. A oh, for the sense. Zeus. Yes. Zeus. Like the only one that starts with Z. A for the courage of Achilles. And M for the speed of Mercury. Mercury is fast. I was trying I was like Hermes, but the H was already taken. Hmm. Damn it, Mercury. Damn it all. Let's no, no, no. see. Uh else can i ask you um which supervillain did billy batson serve in kingdom come lex luther yep all right you know i I pitched you an easy one there i really thought you were gonna get the uh so you're you're two for two i really thought you were gonna get the uh the names i thought i was too i i don't maybe i'm just tired but like I mean, the fact that I couldn't think of Zeus. 
Yeah, that is pretty bad for you. So now I need to find a rather difficult one to really throw you off on your feet here. Um, hmm. 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 How much do I hate you? That's a pretty uh, good question. You hate me quite a bit. Let's just. Excuse me, let's, let's just be honest. Because <laughs> I could ask you a really difficult question, uh, which would just be extremely mean. None... Ask, ask me it anyway. You really want me bonus, to ask it for you? Bonus question. Uh, okay, you know what? No. Um, how about this? In the lair of the wizard Shazam, what do the statues lining the walls depict? The seven deadly sins. Nope. Wrong. It's the seven deadly enemies of man. Okay. All right. You know what? Pride, envy, greed, hatred, selfishness, laziness, and injustice. Okay, so... So your family is getting struck by lightning. Okay, first off, being that I just read this issue today, I should have noticed that. But selfishness and greed are kind of go hand in hand. Uh, laziness uh, is basically sloth and uh, injustice just looks like you can't enjoy anything um, that's interesting hatred makes sense greed greed looks kind of weird envy I don't know anyway <laughs> that was stupid uh, well yeah you have to, yeah gotta get over it so apparently you know we were talking about this earlier in the new 52 Shazam's powers are altered slightly the word Shazam does not cause a transformation if Billy does not want it to. He is able to use and manipulate magical lightning much more readily from his fingertips. He's able to use his magic in as yet unexplored ways, demonstrating I, on one occasion the power to conjure items. I did not know that. I didn't either. Uh, I read like almost all of his new 52 appearances, I thought. Huh. Like I read his the backup features. Yeah. No. So. Apparently you missed I, mean, I, I haven't read the last few issues of Justice League, mm. so maybe some of it's in there. Uh, you know, I know you haven't watched it, but I really enjoyed him in Young Justice. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's this like really great part when they're trying to figure out who to introduce into the Justice League, and they talk about how they're, you know, they don't want to let in some of the sidekick because they're too young, and they're talking about letting in Captain Marvel and Batman... They're like they, they they figure out he's a kid, and Batman's like, "You guys didn't know that. Obviously, he's a kid." <laughs> it's uh, it's pretty good time. So let's move on to some news. Mm -hmm. So that first news story's out. Actually, I'm gonna replace it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this isn't exactly breaking. Oh, I guess it came out today. So some of this other stuff did as well. Uh, anyway, the Walking Dead spinoff has a setting. Uh, AMC uh, is, you know, releasing another Walking Dead TV show because why not? Why not? They really like the money they're making. Uh, anyway, and they and they will make more money on this. Make so much money, uh, and this is all going to take place in Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Yeah. Uh, there's part of me that hates this idea because it feels very money grubbing. But also, I like the idea of us getting away from the comic. Mm -hmm. Something that like it doesn't feel like it's following the same. 
mm-hmm. along the same media, you know, that they, they can really do something new. And it's, and it's so far removed from the same setting that like, like anything goes more so. You know, there's a lot of people that watch walking dead that obviously don't read the comics, mm-hmm. you know, but you know, for us that do being able to have this secondary option is like, well now to us, literally no one is safe. Right. Um, what? Wow, that played in some, that. What am I trying to say? What was I trying to say? Was it related to that? No, maybe it was. I don't know. Was it? <laughs> mm, it was one of my thoughts on Batman and Robin. Okay. About the whole Damien thing. We're going oh, and, back. And, and it, it connects. It connects. Okay. All right. I'm excited is, to see how. Is, and it, it can, this can connect to the arrow thing too. But part of it is that, you know, uh, you know, Damien's dead. And so, you know, someone sitting in a room is like, I want to bring Damien back. Now, especially when it comes to Jay comic book fans, well, the second he died, we were like, he's going to be back eventually. Who knows when? But he'll come back. There's no way he's not coming back. And ultimately is, you know, that a story had to be told about how Damien comes back, mm-hmm. even though, you know, you know, so it's like you're reading it and you feel like, well, let's just, you know, let's just bring it back. Why are we wasting six issues to bring ah. something back that we know is coming back? Well, yeah, but I actually appreciate how they did it. Made it feel a bit more it, earned. And, I, and I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not speaking to the quality of the execution. Just simply the, the right. It's, you know, we know right, where take, this is take, going. Take two Come or on. three issues max and, and just get them back on on board and then and then go from there. Mm-hmm. Um, so with something like the Walking Dead show. You have something where it's like you're either waiting for them to um, move away from the show, the, from the, the source material completely, which can either be a good or bad thing, or you're just waiting for them to sort of check the boxes, like the Harry Potter movies. You're just waiting for them to hit all the beats that the books lays out, you know, and it doesn't actually feel like a genuine experience. Like it's just sort of lifting, you know, like like tracing off a whiteboard, mm-hmm. a, a light box. So basically what I'm trying to say, and I feel like I destroyed two things that I really felt passionate about talking about with this one thing, which was that with the new Walking Dead show, it's a completely new landscape with completely new characters. And as, as guys like you and me, where especially the lot of things that we tend to surround ourselves with are all based off of existing materials, whether it be like Arrow or, you know, comic books that have like 40 years of recycled history, 40, 50, 60, 70, whatever recycled history, mm-hmm. that a show like this you know, we can kind of get on the ground floor of and just, and actually be immersed in a way that maybe for like, like for me, when I started watching games, games of Thrones, you know, I had read the books. So everything to me felt fresh that like I couldn't, I had no idea what was going to come next, mm-hmm. you know? Now, and it, I, yeah. how many pop culture references did I make in one point? That, that was quite a few. Uh, and you know, I, I don't, like I said, I don't totally hate this idea. Uh, I'm not entirely against it, but it's got to be better written than The Walking Dead currently is. I don't. I, get... I just finished season two, so I really yeah. Oh, I season see... two was so bad. Yeah. When they're on the farm, holy crap! wasn't wasn't great. It wasn't it wasn't the worst. It wasn't great. No, it was the worst. Quite literally the worst. Um. Anyway, yeah. Set in Los Angeles. Cool beans. Cool beans. Uh, other news, DC has unveiled a whole bunch of variant covers, which are, um, parody, homage, I'm not really sure where this falls under. Uh, anyway, they are, they follow pop designs of popular movies. Uh, and these are 
great. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not, I don't want to go down the entire list here, but you know, you've got like Wonder Woman is three hundred, uh, Green Lantern, two thousand one, A Space Odyssey. My favorite is easily Aquaman, uh, which is the Free Willy. Uh, Free Willy one. What are you typing over there? I hear you. No, no, just keep going. Uh, Justice League Dark, Beetlejuice, um, Action Comics, which has the Bills and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Like these are so good. These are so great. There's a lot of really cool ones. I, I really enjoy them. Uh, Batman and Robin, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Uh, <laughs> the uh, uh, Bruce Lee, the Enter the Dragon with Grayson. Oh yeah, that one's so great. I need to get caught up on Grayson. Like some of these, I want as posters, right? Um, especially the Justice League one. Oh baby, uh, which is <laughs> for those unaware, the Justice League uh, cover is the Magic Mike poster. Oh right, 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 right. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, Mars attacks! It's so good. It was de- definitely a fun idea. Sometimes with with DC's like sort of variant month, like monthly variant themes, uh-huh. yeah, some of them suck. Hit or miss, but. But this this was a smart move on their part because, of course, being being a subsidiary of Warner Brothers gives them access to a lot of, you know, old classic references mm-hmm. that you forget that Warner Brothers actually has. Now I forget who did the um, the Batgirl cover, but that that one's actually like that picture's a little old. Uh, like someone, uh, I gotta figure out who did it. Um, someone did it a while ago and people like were in love with it and so it's cool to say like maybe that might be what got them to consider doing these variants mm-hmm. uh it's her you know doing the purple rain cover yeah um oh let me just see variant cover okay yeah oh it's uh it's cliff chiang um mm-hmm. former wonder woman artist uh yeah, you these... miss him so I do miss him so. I haven't read. I've actually heard some good things about the the Finch run. Two issues in. You know, it's it's not sucking yet. Um, <laughs> oh man, the the mask Batman cover so great. But yeah, uh, yeah, I, you know, maybe I I was still probably gonna read the new Wonder Woman stuff if you know as long as I didn't hear terrible things about it. Mm-hmm. And so you know this this kind of gives me the the cautious optimism um that you know they actually handle wonder woman as part of the bigger dc universe really well i'm still disappointed they're getting away from her more personal stuff but you know what are you gonna do what are you gonna do that is the Uh, truth that is the truth which Let's just go ahead and use that to launch into the fact that Donna Troy is going to be in the comics again. You know, would, do you have a, any relationship with Donna Troy as far as like a history of her character? Absolutely zero. I did not read a Wonder Woman uh, book until the New Fifty Two. Oh, okay. Well then, um, I've never like she's never been a character. She's a character where it's like you go on like a form and you're like, man, people are really passionate about this character, but. By the time I got into DC, like she, I think had just returned. Like they did the return of Donna Troy, uh-huh. and um, then from there, like it, like there was Infinite, Infinite Crisis, and then I think it was out of Infinite Crisis they did the the Jody Picoult run of Wonder Woman. And, like Donna Troy was Wonder mm-hmm. Woman for like five seconds. It's, it's she's one of those characters where, 
and, and maybe they, they thought they knew what to do with her when she first came out, you know, being just like the teenage, you know, Wonder Woman sidekick. Mm-hmm. You know, apparently she actually debuted as a time-displaced younger Wonder Woman. Yeah, I think I knew that. And then they, and then they, they reestablished her. So even since, like, her inception, they didn't She's been all over the place. And it's, you know, it's one of those things because comic books are constantly changing that, you know, five years from now we could get another DC reboot and then Don Troy will have a whole new history, a new whatever to work with that mm-hmm. it's hard to say like is this the, the the version that's going to stick because nothing sticks in comics no so you know i don't necessarily have enough affection for the character to be really excited that she's back yeah i'm not i'm not not excited that she's back but it, being that i'm not really invested in the current run i kind of not that I, I still plan on going back to read it, but i i wasn't really following the azarello chiang run uh-huh. closely you know um I, I, it'll just be a wait and see thing. It's the same thing with like Wally West, Spoiler, Cassandra Kane. Like these are characters that I get have a very passionate fan base, and I by no means want to get in the way of them having their their favorite characters back. Well, we know how we know how I feel about Spoiler. So yes, we know how you how you feel about every female teenage superhero ever. It's just yeah, I just make a blanket decision on that. Um, <laughs> why why have discretion when you can just make generalizations? Yeah, right. I mean, I, I I hate to say it, but I understand racist. Um, <laughs> no, that was terrible. I didn't mean that. That uh, was terrible. Is going to a special place. <laughs> uh, we just lost like our one listener. Like next next week, it's gonna be welcome to the Heckier Comics podcast. Uh, you know, Nick with with Nick and some other guy because <laughs> David is gone. Uh, why did i say that uh anyway anyway i'm not racist um that you know of no but but i do hate young female superheroes let's just get that out of the way uh no so yeah this is a character people like you said are very passionate about and they've wanted to get her you know people have wanted her back in the books so you know good on them for not just throwing it out there I like to think that these characters that they waited a while to bring back, they you know maybe put some thought into what are we gonna do with them, because yeah. you know a lot of them when they're originally introduced, it's like oh great we have this character it's so great and then like time goes on it's like oh they've been around for like five years and they've been just the same let's have something really crazy happen to them to like mix it up, yeah and then it's like whoa that was so unnecessary and why are they suddenly all dark and like evil. Exactly. You know, it's one. Of, it's it's one of those things that I bet DC. You know, I think if if you know DC wanted to, they could have introduced them right out of the gate. Yeah. You know, and and it remains to be seen if the return of Donna Troy is executed in a exciting, compelling, and satisfying fashion. Mm-hmm. You know, but if we we can just assume that they clearly you know wanted her return to have some kind of impact because they probably recognize you know being that. I'm assuming a lot of people that work for DC now were fans of DC prior to joining. That's a fair that, assumption. That they, they can probably see from that fan's eye view, which I don't think is ever a perspective that's been phrased like that, but from a fan's eye view, you know, that this is a character that's had a very troubled history mm-hmm. and that they wanted to sit on her until they had a strong enough um, plot. I just, I just have this, like, vision now of, like, you know, like some guy who represents DC – like literally sitting on Donna Troy and she's like, no, please let me help. And he's like, no, we can't bring you in yet. Yeah. 
Like, but he's just like, you know, that's just where he lives is sitting on Donna Troy. That's your one job. <laughs> do, it, do it well. Uh, so, uh, let's see. Looking at time here. Uh, where should we go next? Uh, look to at... infinity and beyond. Oh, here, here. You, you've got the list of stories as well. What, what do you think? Which one should we jump to next? Um, uh, cool that Marvel's publishing an oversized uh, Jack Kirby hardcover. Um, that is cool. That, being that I have Marvel Unlimited, I have access to a plethora of classic Jack Kirby stories. Well, okay. Um, See, this is where you and I kind of have this little bit of like difference like not just because you have marvel unlimited that's you know dandy or whatever um and i would get that having marvel unlimited it'd be like oh you know all this stuff's just right at my fingertips but mm-hmm. there's just something about the way that it looks on an actual page no no arguments here okay there is something about holding a comic book especially a good comic book mm-hmm. that you know that's just you need to feel that weight in your hands. Now, that, of course, can just be considered not necessarily nostalgia because it's still ongoing, but just the way that we, you know, that we, that we haven't known any other ways, you know, but we're going to have a whole generation of readers in the next 20 years that almost might exclusively read on tablets. So to them, mm-hmm. that's the way to digest comic books. So really, we can only look at from our fans' eye view. Uh, I'm gonna keep tossing that one around. It sounds, it's, it fans sounds, idea. sounds clever. Yeah. Um, I don't really have like a lot of Jack Kirby in my life. He's one. Of, he again. He's one of those guys where his his peak was before our time. Mm-hmm. So we we everything we always read you know from like a lot older creators and stuff, and they're all just like like Kirby was the king and like. You know, without him, comics wouldn't be what they are, and all this stuff. And mm-hmm. it's like I totally respect that. I've I've gone back and looked at, you know, if not reading, you know, certain books that he's done. Like I've I've seen plenty of examples of his work, and I can see why he was popular. Right, we see his influence all the time and stuff you as know, well. Um, you know, so I don't necessarily know if I would run out and plop down money for like a gigantic Jack Kirby hardcover Marvel collection again, because I have Marvel unlimited. Yeah. I don't, I don't, um, there's something cool about it that I don't know. It's kind of, it, you know, it's, it's, it spoke to you enough that you wanted to put it in our news section. And yeah. again, it, it, you know, uh, I'm excited for people that are excited about it and I bet there's going to be a ton of cool material in there. And uh, once I find out what's actually collected in it, I will just add them to my Marvel Unlimited reading list. Uh, um, you, oh, we can we can list some of the stuff that's. Uh... Oh, is is do they do they have the list? Yeah, uh, collects material from Red Raven number one, Marvel Mystery Comics number thirteen, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Captain Marvel, uh, Eternals number seven, Devil Dinosaur. I read the first issue of Eternals, and mm-hmm. you know it's it's his. I don't remember which one he did first. I think he did the New Gods at DC first, and then he came back to Marvel and did the Eternals, and then it's like, like, well, we did this over here; it worked well enough. Let's do it again. It's the funny thing is, I, I don't think I they, they they necessarily were critical successes or financial successes at either company, uh, and and both were intended to exist outside of the continuity of both DC and Marvel, mm-hmm. and have since forth been incorporated into the great the greater. DC and Marvel narratives. Yeah. But you know, there, there's cool characters in there. It's it, those are, those are some of the books that Jack Kirby is at his most pure. Um, but what else is on there? 
Uh, I mean, well, one that you've read recently is Amazing Spider-Man number eight. He did the uh, art for Amazing Spider-Man number eight. Yes. I haven't gone to number eight yet. I'm uh, on okay. Sandman issue. Oh, that's like, uh, is so that like read, number one? That's number four. Okay. Number uh, one, besides Amazing Fantasy number 15, number one was actually Spider-Man versus the Chameleon. The Chameleon was in the first issue of Spider-Man. Interesting. Um, then he fought, um, crap. He fought like these, he fought this guy named the Tinkerer. Okay. Um, who was like working with aliens and the Tinkerer may have also been an alien. And, the, <laughs> and, and, and it was, it, now that we're talking about like Jack Kirby and things that were kind of before our time as comic book readers, it's funny because I've gone back and I started reading these early Spider-Man issues and there's so much about them that I enjoy. Okay. Um, there's just, it's, it's like, I'm reading it as a reader now, but I'm trying to picture myself as being, you know, like a 13 year old kid sitting down on the street corner out of the, 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 the five and dime reading something off the newsstand, you know, and being like, Holy crap. Like experiencing, like this is, this is Spider-Man where any kid picking it up at the time did, had no idea that Spider-Man would survive from issue to issue. Stan Lee, when he was writing it, had no idea that Spider-Man would go on to be the multimedia, multi-bajillion like bajillion dollar success story that he is today. Now, I really wish that I could go back in time and be like, well, kids, in the future... I don't. I would talk with an old man voice when I'm speaking to children of the 50. Yeah, I'd be did. like, Spider-Man's going to have clones for no reason and then he's going to get married to Mary Jane but then a demon's going to make it so they didn't get married and, uh, uh, and they'll be like that guy is on like crack cocaine yeah cause you know kids of the 50s were throwing around the word crack cocaine yeah 60s by the way 60s whatever you knew what I meant a little, a little closer to the whole crack cocaine phase but it, it's it's it, there's something to be said that you know respect your elders you know know your history you know try to immerse yourself in it as much as possible because it's it's you know it's easy to say well, there was a victorian era but to like try and live it to try and immerse yourself in it gives you such a fully a different appreciation because I, I think of like the way people think of these characters now and there might be some fans that have been around since the first issue with spider-man but there's like there's so like the way that a lot of people look at Spider-Man, like I remember when, I think it was the issue where Doc Ock, uh, gained full control over Peter's like subconscious mm-hmm. uh, and superior Spider-Man, and part of like his 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 winning his win- killing stroke was having Peter realize that Peter selfishly uh, almost nearly sacrificed like a little girl to regain control of his body, and Peter being like oh my god I did and he just like faded away. Hmm. Um, and a lot of fans were like, "Like Peter wouldn't do that. Like that doesn't make any sense." And Dan Slott's like coming out like, "Like listen, listen, Peter isn't this like selfish, like you know, just like pure beacon of hope and goodness and all of that. Like he's a selfish person. And the triumph of his story is that he's always been able. You know, maybe he reacts poorly the first time around, but he always comes back around and overcomes his his feelings of selfishness, of self-interest, and ultimately does the right thing. Right, because that's what makes him, like, that's what makes them superheroes, is they get, you know, even if they get dragged down, they rise back up. Yeah, but it, but with Spider-Man, it was, it was more unique than just like, I want to fight for my country so hard. Oh, they're really beating me down. No, I will regain my strength. It was literally just like, I don't want to stop this criminal because I got better things to do. Oh crap! He killed my uncle, 
if I had just been more responsible, if I had just been a better what civil servant, you mm -hmm. know, my uncle would still be alive. And then taking that with him. So every time where it was like, do I go do this with Mary Jane or do I fight this guy or do I do this? It's sort of like Spider-Man really wants to go on a date with Mary Jane. Right. But someone's going to stop the lizard from rampaging around the city, you know? So it's that, that feelings of that we all have where we want to buck. Where it's like, man, am I going to sit on Reddit for the next five hours or should I go stop those bank robbers? Ugh. Exactly. It's, it's, you know, to that, that's a really lazy extreme compared to what, you know, Peter gets up to, but I think, I think having that perspective of Peter now, like once I read Dan's last thing, I was like, Oh, that's a really cool way of looking at it. And then I went back and read these original issues and like every issue, like the first four at least is always Peter being like, Oh, this would be a great picture taking opportunity. Like I'm going to get money out of this. Like even when he's fighting crime, he's, he's just like, he's like, this is going to be a good opportunity for me. So there's a lot of innate selfishness to Peter's character that even after uncle has been uncle Ben's death, he hasn't shaken off. Yeah. Whereas, we we're reading a much older Peter, you know, at least ten years older at this point in, in universe, and he's become a lot more weathered, and he appreciates things more. And you, we kind of attribute the fact that like here's this really selfish, selfless guy, you know, and the only reason like his personal life is in disarray is because he's out being a hero. Whereas originally it was just like he was like, nah, I'm basically gonna do whatever it takes to make ends meet. Yeah, dude, reading these old issues of stuff is like so bizarre because these like these heroes were selfish they like a lot of them had this cockiness to them too that was really interesting yeah they're all it's funny because like everyone always rails against like mark miller and brian hedges the ultimates with like the mm -hmm. the the characters in there just being all like jackasses and a lot of them are jackasses no they straight like, up are and you think of the, like the personality that someone that one would re require to be in the positions that they're in and mm -hmm. like Sometimes you gotta be kind of a jackass. Well, and like if you go back and even read like the first appearance of Superman and stuff like that, like he's you know a lot more rough and tumble. Like I'm just gonna break in here and you know wreck your shit because yep. I can. Which like, which and, and yeah and now all these superheroes ha are just fighting. They're just fighting for the status quo instead of against uh -huh. the status quo. Because let's face it, in in the real world today we still live amidst tons and tons of injustices, you know? So, and a, and a, Man, and a lot of ways... It was even a video game. It, it was, yeah, injustice. The gods among us. But, you know, originally, like, with Superman, Batman, all the pulp heroes, the, you know, the Mar like, they were, they, they were fighting against those injustices, like, true injustices, not just alien invasions, mm -hmm. you know, secret subterfuge, like, like... You know, Superman was a social crusader. You know that wasn't afraid to tear down bad buildings or right. stand. Or he up would to, like you know, he would go to like public officials' houses. Exactly. And be like he, you've done this thing. Bah. He was he was this character that showed up at a time where everyone was feeling desperate and hopeless, coming out of the Great Depression, being in the midst of World War II, and it was just like like we feel so powerless. How does one person stand up against all this craziness that's happening in the mm -hmm. world, especially when it's going through such an industrial change? Yeah. You know, and here comes this hero that's like. You don't like the, the the current circumstances you're in. I have the power to change it for you. Ultimate wish fulfillment. And now, yeah, the wish has been fulfilled, and these characters just kind of go about their business, just being like, you know, this isn't fair. This isn't fair. This isn't fair. But I don't have time for that. The scrolls are invading again. Yeah, uh, there's a great. I wish I had it with me. It's in uh, my it's in my bedroom, so it's not right next to me. But my copy of um, Super Gods where Grant Morrison has this whole thing where he's talking about, you know, Superman being the social crusader, 
and he talks about like the time he went and fought Hitler and it's like he's just this you know this ultimate symbol like here's this guy out there in the world for these people was very real you know like this evil this person that we you know we use it as a joke now but it's like oh you were like you're literally Hitler like we mean that to say like you know you're literally the epitome of evil Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, for them, that person existed. And to have this American, you know, to have th- this hero, you know, not stopped by the tanks and the guns to go, like, not wearing a mask, you know, someone who could just go fly in there and just take care of Hitler. Like, as if it was, no, like, he didn't kill him, but, you know, can, like, just take care of him. Like, it's no big deal. Mm-hmm. Like, that is just such, like, such a huge concept you know like we don't have superman these days flying and and breaking down isis because they want to keep some level of you know realism to it yeah Um, or like you know like realism like in their own like fantasy way it's like no no you know like isis isn't around in here because he has to go deal with this cyber terrorist cell yeah but it's like what if he did go and fight isis like they're you know we'd be like oh that's so ridiculous but at the same time, it's like, oh, that's so cool because these guys are awful and superman's taking them down and and yeah, and it's like I know because sometimes writers will touch on that, and like they'll have like they'll have the characters be like, "We we can't do this for them." Like I, I think they were even doing it in like a recent Superman Wonder Woman issue, or a, I don't know. Even in, in today's comics, that they're, they're they they will touch on that where it's like, "Oh, let's go stop this guy," or "Let's go do this," and mm-hmm. it's just like, "No, we can't intervene in that way." They need to figure out for themselves. And it's like people are still dying all around you. Yeah, I I, I remember in um. When Brian Azzarello was writing Superman, there was a scene where and I think that for me, you know, this this was around, the, you know, I, I was probably had only been in, into DC, you know, and comics in general for like three or four years now. Well, more into Marvel, but at the time I was probably only reading DC for, it was pre-Infinite Crisis. So I came in around the Hush storyline. So okay. Anyway, yeah, so, I get you. So that gives me, a, gives me a frame of reference. There's a scene where like Superman goes to somewhere in the Middle East and he basically takes the guns from everyone that are fighting and then they just pick up rocks and start throwing at each other. And it's like, all right, well, how far is he going to take this? And there is a question of like, how far do you want these superheroes to take it? At what point, you know, mm-hmm. do they, they neutralize all the threats that they themselves become the threats. And I know that stuff like that gets got tackled in like the authority, and Red, other Red books. Sun, Red Sun, you know, but it's, you know, it's one of those things where it almost always comes out being like, like the, the, the moral of the story is, super gods can't should not intervene in the affairs of common man mm-hmm. because you know we're we're not going to appreciate the, you know the the gift of the, 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 what we're being given and we're just going to grow resentful and throw it back in the, their faces and more chaos is going to erupt and it's just like that's such a a dark perception of humanity like I, I imagine superman went into like an isis camp right now and took all their guns like they'd be pissed like they wouldn't see it as like maybe we should stop the fighting maybe there's something more powerful in our way now that we can't yeah. contend with but i don't know it's, it's i like, mean it, it is complex it's com- yeah it's complex and i can understand why you know especially at, at least like marvel and dc shy away from being like like not wanting to touch on that because it's right. you know you can't you know, you might be able to destroy ISIS in comic books tomorrow or today, but they're still going to be around in the real world tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, think of like every time, like you know, when nine eleven gets brought up in the comic book worlds, it's usually like, it's you know, like these are people who are fighting off alien invasions. You know, you have these big international groups 
or like the, you know these these groups that are able to intercept and you know do crazy spy work and they didn't get in on this yeah. like you, you know that even like even when the first yeah, after the first plane hit like iron man wasn't there to stop the second plane yeah, you know, Spider-Man I, wasn't there. To, like, I, I remember like the the, the 11 issue of Spider-Man, which really touched me because that you know that I got I really got into Spider-Man you know just at the beginning of that particular run, mm-hmm. and all and like the people are running through the streets and they're just like you know where were you? Why didn't you stop this? And he's just like we weren't here, you know. Like that's the only thing they could say. Like you know, in, in a perfect world, like these heroes would have stopped this. And I think it was I think it was Mark Wade. Uh, I don't want to say it with 100% accuracy, but I believe it was Mark Wade, maybe a couple of years, maybe a few years after 9-11, um, where it was kind of like the 9-11 happened in the DC universe. And he was like, the 9-11 would not have happened in the DC universe. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's one of those interesting things where like, well, he's kind of right. Like, I mean, even if one plane had hit, Superman, you know, by that point, Superman had to have heard that from somewhere. That's enough screams for Superman to get, to get his attention. He yeah. would have stopped the other one. Um, so it, it, it's there's really no resolution in this conversation it's definitely an ongoing one no you know it, is, it makes it me want to explore these particular themes you know my they're, own because i feel like interesting the, themes yeah the, you know to like if we say create our own superhero team or whatever that kind of went out and said all right well they're going to go you know because especially with storytelling that i always see in, in all the interviews i read and all that, that they're always like you know a character that's married, you know, is boring. A character, you know, a character that, you know, the world that gets everything it wants is boring. That, you know, if you have a, a team of superheroes show up and, and cure all sickness and, and stop all crime and create this perfect utopia that we've been promised is possible since our childhood, then the story's over. And what do you, what do you, what's, there's nothing left to read. So you have to read it. And at that point, and then at that point, people have to rise up against them. Yeah. You know, and that's just like, man, like that. Like we keep writing these stories about how we don't want paradise, that we actively fight against our own paradise and any sacrifices that it takes to get there, and that's like really deeply troubling to me. But well, I also that's don't know that's where getting I stand into personal stuff. So, <laughs> but but I you know just I, I think superheroes are an interesting platform to explore this that they originally intended to explore this. You know, mm-hmm. because when they were coming out, like I said, like Stanley had no idea that Spider Man was going to be successful. When the guys made Superman, you know, Siegel and Shuster, like they had, no, they, yeah, they had no they, idea. You, you, they had no idea. It wasn't being done for purely financially successful reasons, besides the fact that they hoped to put food on their table. I imagine, you know, so they yeah. were able to tackle a lot of these issues, you know, without corporate well, yeah, interests and, and, involved. Yeah, they could just play out the dream because it's like. Oh, people are interested in reading Superman. Like at that time, as people are interested in reading Superman, like you can kind of do whatever you want with Superman. Yeah, you know that's great because like because we're selling, you know, we're selling publications, we're selling papers, and now now you have these big creative teams involved who are like sitting there trying to decide what's you know what story can we tell, instead of just like hey, you know, you're in charge of this. What do you you know you do whatever you want. Have you know, if, if Superman wasn't. Us, you know, people weren't reading for Superman, writing in to get more Superman stories. They would have just dropped it. It would have just been over. Yep. You know, like there's hundreds of superheroes that were. Uh, it's amazing how many actually survived and are still around. Mm-hmm. The fact that the Sandman, um, not the Vertigo book, but the fact that the Sandman still exists is bizarre to me, because you mm-hmm. have a guy who put people to sleep <laughs> and <laughs> to stop crime. Um, anyway. All right, we're, we're just about... so so many things to just yeah, man, I came know. out of nowhere. 
that that was a good conversation. That was a good conversation. I like that. Uh, we all right. You know, we're gonna wrap things up here. Uh, I'm just gonna say that Mark Wade is probably the one of the busiest guys in comics right now. Oh yeah, I don't know how that guy does it. <sighs> but man, you know, it's funny because he he's gonna be doing the new Archie book. Um, and if you asked me like to list people like who would be the best person to write Archie, like I really wouldn't know. But Mark Wade uh, actually kind of makes sense. He seems like a guy who can do it. He can pull it off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he's pretty versatile as a writer. At the same time, there's a clear Mark Wade stamp mm-hmm. on his work, and um, you know, I, I like Fiona Staples, of course, but it's hard to imagine her after working on stuff like Saga. Yeah, like even looking at the character that... designs, I'm like, that is not Archie. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's and Archie's I think has done this before where they sort of had a like let's sort of be current, mm-hmm. you know, and they almost always kind of default back to their 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 typical look. And it's fine. And true. It's, it's 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 okay to you know to to try and you know I, I think being relevant would be kind of insulting to say, but to try and be current of the times as oh. far as what people look look for artist you know aesthetically from art art Archie. Um, uh, okay, this chair is really squeaky. Yeah, but, no, yeah, sure, the chair. Yeah, it's the chair. Um, but yeah, I don't. It's cool. I I might check it out. I really have no affinity for Archie, but I appreciate again the history. Yeah, that's that's a series that you know we can't deny. I can't deny. Okay. Anyway. Ooh. You about you ready to to throw up some? You know, th- Re- throw down. Reckon recommendations recommendations sure thing yeah. uh, or do we want to do the uh, gift recommendations uh, you know I, I meant to spring that on you earlier um, so I mean is there anything that you're hoping in this in this Christmas season this holiday giving gift giving season uh, to receive? Is this is this your backdoor way of like trying to figure out what you can get me? Well, that would also like, be like, nice because come on, man. Uh, I am very difficult to buy gifts for, mostly because I go out and buy everything that I want. Uh, yes. It's funny because where where I work, I always get people in every day that it's just like like this person's impossible to shop for. They have everything, and it's just like oh, I had no idea I was like that. Yeah, you are. Um, I, I really would have to peruse for my Amazon wish list. But all that said, um. What I what I actually want is to try and complete my Hellboy and BPRD collections hmm. because it's it's a, a a franchise that I've always you know I, I've always had interest in. I love the movies. I've read a lot of the earlier volumes for mm-hmm. both, but I kind of lost track somewhere and like they they just they're so far. So I have like five or six of each of both Hellboy and. BPRD, and I know there's like the Abe Sapien book and some other side series like Witchfinder, but at least for now, uh, I'm pretty keen on, on trying to complete those so that I can start from the beginning again and then work my way up to the present. Because I would totally love to be following along with the ongoing Hellboy slash BPRD mythology. Okay. Um, so that's kind of my recommendation slash kind of what I'm looking for. Um, other than that, if I had to recommend something that I think people should get, uh, I'm always a big fan of the Bone series by oh, Jeff. Oh, Bone, nice. Bone, Bone's the kind of book where if you don't know a lot about comics and you're just looking for something that 
scratches a bunch of different itches without being, you know, and bone as it goes on, it gets a little dark, you know, as far as its subject matter. Um, but it's never too graphic and it is ultimately like a young, it's something that you'd recommend to like young adult readers in that mm -hmm. particular genre. Uh, it's just, it's a, it's a great series. It's on my list of things to reread before I die. <laughs> just because there's so much stuff to read. Right. Um, so, I mean, they, they have it all in one big collection now. I, I love staring at it on my shelf. I have a lot of respect for that book. Um, it's definitely a good go-to grab if you're just like, this person's kind of interesting comic books. Should I get them in? Like, go for both. Okay, yeah, that's a good one. That is a good one. A good one. Um, uh, let me see. So, as far as what I am wanting this holiday season... Uh, you know, I don't know why that I suddenly got this in my head, uh, but I realized I have never read all of Irredeemable. Irredeemable. How far did you get, how far did you get in that? I think I read the first volume. I think I bought it on a Comixology sale way back when. Okay. Um, and you know, speaking of Mark Wade, um, and that's a book that I've always wanted to read. I've always been fascinated by. Uh, for those who do not know, the you know quick little summary is he wrote Mark Wade wrote the story of you know the world's greatest hero becoming a supervillain. There's the Plutonian who's pretty much Superman, and when the book starts, he's just suddenly turned. He is the bad guy. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know we we get flashbacks to you know who he was before, and you you, you know you get a good sense for the character, and it's just I you know really great idea i really like it uh i, I read like the first two, two or three or three or four volumes mm -hmm. first volumes and he does a very good job raising the stakes the tension building a foundation yeah. as as the story progresses there's, there's this one part that's like always stuck with me um where you know the plutonian is destroying this island essentially and oh, yeah. uh, all his former partners are you know they're trying to save these people and he doesn't stop them, but he stops what he's doing and he looks at, you know, I forget the name of the, the kind of the main character, um, his former friend. Um, and he says, you know, like pick five of them. Um, mm -hmm. and he's like, those are the five that you're going to get to save. Like, that's what it's like to be me. It's just like, holy crap. You never think about that stuff for, you know, for character like Superman when he can't save everyone, yeah. or, you know, like these superheroes when they, when they have to make that decision of because realistically you know realistically like that you wouldn't be able to save everyone even if you could fly if you had super strength if there's a great big disaster or like a building's collapsing you can't get everyone out of there and ah, that's just that's just stuck with me uh, that, that that is a good scene now that you bring it back up again i'm like Oof, that was good yeah and then of course eventually i'd like to read uh incorruptible on the flip side of that, but uh, I would like to get some irredeemable up uh, up in this business. And, irredeemable. Uh, and as far as what I'm going to recommend for this week, I was hoping I'd be able to find it. Um, it's it's. Oh, I'm trying to figure out exactly where it's from. Uh, here it is. Um, Sorry, of course, Google image searching. It's always a great thing. So 
DC released a, I think it's from their 2009 holiday special. Um, it's this great story. Uh, and I don't know where people are going to find it, which is unfortunate, but it's this really great story about uh, Superman who goes off to be Santa Claus for these kids and Batman like intercepts him and basically like talks him out of it. Like, no, you, you know, you're not supposed to go be uh, like you're Superman. You need to go be saving the world. Uh, you can't waste your time doing this. And so Superman flies off and was like, oh, wait, I should still deliver the presents to these kids. And like when he comes back, he finds Batman dressed as Santa Claus delivering the presents. Uh, it's great. The kids are calling him like Bat Santa. Mm-hmm. Um and like the the like the last page is my recommendation. It's one of my favorite like pages from a comic in the world. So it's it's from the two thousand nine uh, DC holiday special. Sorry, I'm gonna send you on a rabbit hole for that, but it's great. And also has one of my favorite lines. Uh, Batman and Superman are talking to each other. Superman says, or uh, you know, Batman asks, "What are you doing out here?" Superman says, "Restoring a child's sense of wonder, teaching him that the world's gonna be a magical place." Uh, to which Bruce replies, "Yeah, well, my parents taught me a different lesson: lying in the alley, twitching." <laughs> oh, oh gosh! It's oh man, it is just so great. Anyway, uh, hunt that down. Check out that story. You won't be disappointed by the last page. I think I send it to you like every year. I I, I remember that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, so funny. It's so funny. All right, I think that's about wraps it up for us here tonight. It is late, and I got to work early tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So just go ahead and run through our spiel real quick. Uh, you can find more about us at heckyeahcomics.com. Follow us on Twitter at heckyeahcomics. And always feel free to email us, uh, heckyeahcomics at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter um, at DavLuz, and uh, that's D-A-V-L-U-Z, all in word. And you can um, find Nick uh, watching the non-existent Captain Marvel uh, cartoon series in his Captain Marvel pajamas, um, eating a bowl of Captain Marvel O's. As uh, I'm apt to do. Yep. Uh, and just a quick announcement, there will be no episode next week as it is Christmas Eve. Um, as far as the following week, maybe I don't think so, but uh, we'll see. I'm going to be in Phoenix. We'll see if I can swing anything. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll try to keep you updated. Keep your eyes on the Twitter or on Facebook if you like us over there. Uh so anyway, if you enjoyed the show, remember, please tell your friends. And if you hated it, then please tell your enemies. Yeah. Uh, until next time, season's greetings, happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, goodbye. Goodbye.
worst episode ever.